just Well, it's story time. You ready? Once upon a time, approximately 45 years ago, there was a boy named me. He was at family camp in Minnesota on a nice, warm summer day. It does get warm in Minnesota sometimes. It was swimming time at the lake. And he was sitting on the end of the dock with his friend. He was not a confident swimmer. In fact, he really didn't know how to swim well at all. While he was minding his own business, talking with his friend, some older boys were getting into some mischief and began wrestling around on the dock, trying to push each other into the water. As they were wrestling, one of the boys pushed the other boy right into me. As he plunged into the water, he realized that the water was deep and dark. He reached his hands upwards to grab onto something, but all he felt was the warm air on his hands turn into cool water. His eyes were wide open, and he watched the sunlight get darker and darker as he sank into the abyss. He thought for sure that this was the end. Suddenly, out of nowhere, he felt something grip his arm tightly and pull hard. The cool, deep water got warmer and warmer, and then his face pierced through the water, and the warm summer air hit him in the face. He took a deep breath, and his lungs were once again breathing life-giving oxygen. His body was placed on the dock, and as he coughed and wheezed, he realized that he was alive. The man who saved his life was kneeling to his left and, ask, and, and asking him if he was okay. He could only nod. This bystander saved his life. The stranger was a world changer for me. Now, some of you have had others in your life who helped you change the course that you were on. Maybe it was something big, maybe it was something small. Regardless, it was a world or life-changing moment for you. Or perhaps you were the one who changed the course of history for somebody else. Alex Scott was less than a year old when she was diagnosed with cancer and spent her first few years of life fighting against the odds. After receiving a stem cell transplant around her fourth birthday, she vowed to start a lemonade stand to raise money for other children going through the same thing. With the help of her brother, the first stand raised $2,000. The lemonade stand to support cancer research became an annual thing for her, for her family, and Alex raised over $1 million before losing her own battle in 2004 at eight years of age. Her family continues to carry on her legacy through Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation 
and has raised over $150 million to date in the hopes of finding a cure. $150 million is a lot of money, right? You would think that that would solve a, lo solve a lot of problems, right? A lot can be accomplished with that kind of money in, in the families and in the research. Alex was a world changer. Excuse me. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This morning, we're going to be talking about becoming a world changer and how we as believers in Jesus Christ can overcome our own giants and take on the giants of this world and make a difference. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to have uh, here to speak your words today. I pray that uh, you would help me to be clear in my speaking and in my thoughts. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to uh, have our hearts and our ears and our, our eyes open to whatever it is that you want to speak to us and that, God, we would leave this place different because we were in the presence of the Almighty King. So, God, we give this time to you, and, uh, and I just pray that your word would come alive in each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we all know the story, or most of us probably know the story of David and Goliath, right? You learned it from the time you were just a small, small child, and if you grew up in church anyways. And, uh, and so you know that uh, David was, uh, was young at the time, and uh, this is before he became a king. And so what can you tell me about David when he was just a boy? What are some things that you remember from flannel graph time? in Sunday school about David as a boy. What did David, what were some traits about David as a boy? Anybody? He was small. He was bold. Courageous. Killed a lion. Shepherd. Anything else? A worshiper. He was the youngest. Any babies in the family here? Yep, me too. Spoiled rotten, aren't we? Anyways, yeah, those are all good things. David was uh, a shepherd. He was the youngest brother. He was a musician, a songwriter. He was brave. He was strong. He loved God. He was all those things and probably a lot more that we don't know necessarily everything about him. But if we look at the story of David and Goliath, we see that he fully trusted God to take care of him and the Israelites. And so without reading the actual whole scripture that this is all found in, I'm just going to tell you a little story or just kind of go through the story with you. So the Philistines, again, they come to fight the Israelites and they've got this mighty warrior named Goliath who comes out every day and he basically taunts them and says, you guys are punks and I'm going to tear you up. So just send me somebody. I want to fight somebody today, right? He does this for 40 days. And they just don't, they're all afraid. They're terrified of this big guy who the Bible says is like nine feet tall, okay? I'm like five, six. 
So put another guy on top of me that's my height and then, like, chop his head off, okay? That's about how tall he was. Or he just had Kevin McAvoy come up here and stand on this chair, and that would probably be a good example of how tall he was as well. Or me standing on the stage maybe. Anyways, he was a big dude. And uh, he carried a, a spear and a sword, and he had another guy who was probably seven foot four, it's like Shaq or something, carrying a shield for him. Okay, so this is how important this guy was. He had some other guy holding his shield for him. That's a pretty big deal, right? And so he comes out every day, and he's just taunting them. You know, come on, bring it. So David is is back at the homestead because he's not allowed to go to battle yet. And his dad says, hey, I want you to take some bread and some other rations to your brothers and, uh, and see how they're doing up there on the front lines. And so David goes and he gets there and he realizes like nobody's doing anything. They're all sitting there cowering. He's like, what is going on? And then Goliath comes out and he does his big show. And David's like, what in the world is going on? Why is nobody fighting this guy? Why is nobody getting out there and taking him on? It's because they're all terrified, right? And David says, I'll do it. They're like, no, 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 no. You're just a boy. You're just a kid. You can't, you can't take on this guy. He's a mighty warrior. He's nine feet tall. You're just a kid, and, you know, you're just a shepherd. Yeah, but I've killed lions and bears before because they took my sheep, and so I took care of them. And so finally, he convinces everybody. Saul tries to give him his, his, uh, his armor, and he's like, no, no, that's, that's too big and bulky for me, right? And so he goes out there, and he goes down to the riverbed, and he picks up five smooth stones, and he puts them in his bag. And he goes out, and Goliath is standing there, and Goliath's like, oh, really? You're going to send me this, this dog, right? You're going to send me this little punk kid, and you're, you're joking, Correct? You're joking. And David says this. Well, first of all, Glass says this. Just come to me, and I will give your body to the birds and animals to eat. But David says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I am coming to you in the name of Jehovah. This day, Jehovah will give you into my hands, and I will strike you down. That's how you take on a bully, right? You don't back down to him. You tell him, okay, you know what? You want to fight? Let's go. When my dad grew up in Chicago, uh, they moved to a new neighborhood, and every time he walked to school, he would get beat up by this group of guys. And so finally he said, okay, you know what? I can't take all five of you on at the same time. Give me your biggest guy, and if I can take him on, you guys will leave me alone. And they were like, okay, fine. So the biggest guy comes up, and when the guy's not expecting it, my dad sucker punched him, knocked him flat out on his butt, and he was down for the count. And from that time on, they didn't pick on my dad anymore. It was like he became like the new ringleader. So my dad's a gangster. No, not really. <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, but you know, here's the deal. This guy, he's picking on everybody, and David says, you know what? I'm done. You know, you want to fight? Let's fight. I come to you. In the name of Jehovah, and he is going to hand me over to you. So David runs towards Goliath. He takes a stone from his bag. He puts it in his sling, and he throws it with all of his might. The stone flies straight into Goliath's head, and he drops to the ground. And then David cuts his head off with his own sword. That's pretty bold right there, right? 
So what happens? The, the Philistines, they take off running, and the Israelites chase after them, and they won the battle, and David was a world changer on that day. He changed the course of the battle for the Israelites and saved the day. So how does that apply to us, right? How many of you are going to have to physically kill a nine-foot dude today or any time in your lifetime? Hopefully never, okay, especially with a slingshot. But every single one of us faces a giant in our life at some point. Maybe your giant is loneliness. Maybe it's low self-esteem. Maybe you struggle with pornography. Maybe you struggle with gossip. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your bank account is less than zero. All of us face giants in our lives from time to time. Now, sometimes when we are in the middle of facing our giant, we feel like there's no way that we can help others. How can I be a world changer and help other people and change the world when I myself am struggling. However, if we believe in Jesus and we put our hope in him, we can overcome our own giants and help others overcome theirs as well. We can be world changers. Where do you find your hope? This is a good place to start right here, this book. It's got a lot of really good stuff in it, a lot of good stories, a lot of good truths. Psalm 8 says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? My little clicker's not working, Josh. There we go. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, David changed the course for the Israelites by defeating Goliath, a giant who was threatening their very existence. And whatever giant you're facing, this psalm written by David gives us hope. It tells us that we are crowned with glory and, the, and that we were created to rule over all the works of his hands. I want you to do me a favor for a second. I want you to think about the giant that you're facing right now, whatever it may be. Addiction, financial stress, marriage problems, gossip, lying, I don't know. Whatever it is that you're facing right now in your life that you just can't seem to let go of, okay? I want you to think about that thing for just a second. And if you don't have one, think of a friend or a family member who's facing a giant. Does everybody have something? It's probably not hard to think about it because it's probably something that you've been thinking about for a long time. Now, I want you to do something. This is a little strange, okay? But I want you to take that giant, okay? It's nine feet tall. 
want everybody to take your hand, grab it by the top of its head, crumble it down, wrap it up, and put it in your palm. You got it? You got your giant in your hand now? It's not so big anymore, is it? It's right there. It's right there in the palm of your hand, okay? Now, I want you to take that giant that's now just this little thing crumbled up in your hand, and I want you to hold it up like this. And I want you to repeat after me. God, I trust you that you will take this giant from my life. Just like you helped David defeat Goliath, I trust that you will help me defeat my giant. Now take that thing, toss it on the floor, and stomp it and rub it in the floor. It's gone, right? Maybe. Maybe it's still in the back of your mind. But here's the deal. Now that we're working on killing our giant, I want us to focus on how we can become world changers. See, if once you get rid of the things in your life, that big thing that's, that you're facing, if you can get rid of that, if you can break that out and toss it away and give it to God and say, God, I can't do this, but only through you can I become an overcomer. This thing is gone, all right? It's gone. It's on the floor. You crushed it or you gave it to God, okay? That's good. So now we can focus on becoming a world changer. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And some of you remember the song from Kids Church. Are these things in your life? Are these things in my life? Do I strive every day to fill my life with the fruit of the Spirit? If I do, and if you do, that's one step in helping you and I become world changers by filling our life with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, all of the fruit is important, okay? It's all important. But I want to focus on just a few of them today. I want to focus on love, joy, peace, kindness, and goodness. You know why? Because they make me smile. Those words make me smile. Those things in your life will go a long way in helping you become a world changer. So let's take a closer look at them. The first one is love. Now, I know when we were all just young teenagers, we thought we knew all about love, right? I remember my senior year, my first official girlfriend, because I was a late bloomer. I was terrified of girls, still am. Even more so now. I'm just kidding, babe. <laughs> Anyways, I had a sweet high school sweetheart, and uh, I remember how I thought that she was going to be the love of my life, that we were going to graduate high school and then go off to our separate colleges and write each other because we didn't have cell phones or texting back then. So we were going to call each other on our landline for 20 minutes, you know, do you take a click call? Anyways, um, and we wrote letters. Well, that lasted about two weeks because apparently there was another guy out there that was better than me. I don't, I don't see it. I think she made a huge mistake, but we'll get to that in just a second, okay? It didn't last, and that's okay because we'll get there in a second. Anyway, so then I decided, all right, well, she broke my heart, and, uh, you know, 
who cares? That's not what I said at all. Of course, I was a big sobbing baby because we all were, right, when we had our first breakup. And uh, so then I, I, I waited around a little bit, and, and I met a girl in college, and uh, I decided that she was now my love of my life. And so I even went as far as buying a ring. Now, she never got it because I found out that she was seeing another person who was a crack dealer. Yeah, and it wasn't me. <laughs> and so uh, that didn't end well. And uh, so uh, I was able to get money back on the ring, so that was a good thing. But um, anyways, Walmart has a great – I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kid. Anyways, so, uh, so after that, I decided, okay, women are not worth the trouble because they've broken my heart too many times. And so I decided, all right, God, if you, if it's your desire for me to get married, then, you know, you're going to have to do something really miraculous in my life. And I waited, and I waited, and... People were like, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I finally, at the age of 34, found the person that God had set aside for me. And her name was Stacy Yazel. I had to move from San Antonio, Texas to Kansas City, Missouri to find Stacy Yazel. And I did. And that was a good, good thing because then she became the love of my life. Because before that, women, mm -mm, no, 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 I, I, I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with that anymore. And so we got married and, uh, and Stacy uh, is the woman that, um, that I will spend the rest of my life with and that God put on this earth for us to be together. And I love her very much and she's back there and I love you. So, just when I thought that love couldn't be any deeper, we had a baby. My firstborn daughter, who's back there too, and my other wonderful child that's back there as well. But, you know, if you're a parent, you, you understand that, you know, you think, oh, man, I, all I need is this, right? And that's what we believe too. We were like, we're not going to have kids. We're just going to travel, and we're going to have fun. And, and, and then we got pregnant, and everything changed. But you know what? It's even more fun, so that's good. But just when I thought that love couldn't be any deeper, we had our daughter. And I remember the first time holding her in my arms and crying harder than she was. Because it was like, oh my gosh, I get it now. I understand, like, like I, 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 like, I knew that God loved me, but when I held this in my arms, it was like, okay, now I know how much, even more so, God loves me. And that was so cool. And so love is this just awesome thing. Love's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's so much deeper than that. And 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 7 and verse 13, and you all know this. Love is patient and it's kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be happy in life, fall in love with someone who believes and lives out these verses. But here's the deal. True happiness when it comes to love 
It's not just about finding love with a, a, another person. It's knowing how much God loves you. John 3, 16, let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is true love. God loved you, loved me, loved everybody so much that he sent his son for us. That is true love. And that makes me happy. Joy is the next one, which basically is very similar to happiness, right? If you're full of joy, you are probably pretty happy. Proverbs 10.28 says, the hope of the righteous brings joy. I hope that you guys have hope. Hope for your future, hope for tomorrow, hope for a new beginning every day. Hope that no matter how much you mess up, there is always another chance. Hope for a life filled with happiness. Now, according to that verse, Proverbs 10, 28, uh, if we do our best to live a righteous life, your hope will bring you joy and happiness. So putting your hope not in something else or someone else, but putting your hope in Jesus and in God, if you put your hope there, if you are a righteous person, which means that you're, you're trying to live your life righteously, you're trying to live right by, by God's laws, God's commands, by, by you know, the things that God puts in your life and says, I want you to do this, I want you to live your life this way. If you're doing your best to live that way righteously, then the hope that you have can bring you joy. And so if you are hopeless, there's no joy. If you put your hope in something else, like something of this earth, you're not going to find true joy. See, people turn to alcohol, drugs, and all those other things because they feel like, hey, I'm, this makes me feel good. This makes me happy. But you know what? At the end of the day, there's still this huge, empty, gaping hole in the middle of your heart. It's because that needs to be filled with the joy that only God can give. So, if you want to be a world changer, love and joy, two fruit of the Spirit that you need in your life. The next one is peace. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope, again that hope thing, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So peace, what is peace? Is it just this calm feeling that you have when you sit by a river bed? Maybe. But true peace is when all the turmoil in your life is set aside and put somewhere else because you have your eyes focused on Jesus. Think about when, when Peter stepped out of the boat, right? He had his eyes on Jesus. And I imagine the fact that he was able to walk on water for, for a brief few moments. I can only imagine that this overwhelming peace came on him like, this is really, really cool. But then what happened? He panicked. He looked away from Jesus and he began to sink. But God put his hand, Jesus put his hand out and helped him back up. But finding peace in our life, no matter how much turmoil is around you, finding your hope in Jesus and let him fill you with peace. The next one is kindness. Um, I strive to be kind. 
I'm not always successful at that. I hope you strive to be kind too. And, and I, I know that you probably don't always accomplish that. Your spouse would say, yes, that's true. Your friends would say, yes, that's true. But, but I try. And I think you guys do too. See, when people are grumpy, nobody wants to be around them. When I'm grumpy, nobody wants to be around me. And guess what? When you're grumpy, I don't want to be around you either. So don't be grumpy, okay? Be kind. You see, I think that if you're going to be a world changer, um, you know, shouting at somebody and basically beating them down and telling them they're going to hell. I know that I don't, I don't respond to that well. I don't respond to someone getting in my face and yelling at me about anything, let alone telling me, oh, you're going to hell because you're a sinner. Well, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but you yelling at me is not going to help the, that, that fact, right? So when we're kind, it means that we look for those in our life that God places in our, in our path. And we befriend them, or we at least get to know them a little bit. Maybe we don't become best besties, right? But maybe we talk to them at work when nobody else will talk to them. Maybe God gives you something that you can do for them that's kind. And maybe, just maybe, they'll see something in you different than they've seen in other people. And maybe, just maybe, God will give you the opportunity to share your faith with them. And that they can become world changers just like you. Maybe God puts you where you're at in your workplace because he wants you to change the environment of that office. See, being a world changer isn't always like these big, huge, giant things, right? It's changing the world around you. If you know that you have friends and coworkers that their life is completely a disaster, what can you as a believer in Jesus Christ do to change their world? I don't know. But whatever it is, God will let you know what you can do if you ask him and if you let him. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Those are good things to do, right? You want to be kind? That's a good way to be kind. Do justice in the world. Love kindness in your own life and walk humbly. Nobody likes an arrogant jerk, right? Nobody is like, man, that guy, he is so arrogant. I love that. Look at that pride just flying out of his face. Man, I want to be like that guy. No, no. Be humble in all that you do. Goodness. It's good to be good. We should try hard to be good, to be obedient to those in authority over us. Jesus is the good shepherd. We should be good sheep. 
When my children are good, I'm happy. When Stacy and I are working well together, I'm happy and she's happy. When people around me are trying to be good, I'm happy. If you are good, the people around you will be happy too. Galatians 6, 9, going back to our, our, one of our, part of our key verse, says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. In other words, don't be good for like a little bit and then be like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm tired of that. I'm going to go on and I'm going to be a jerk now. I'm going to be mean and I'm going to be arrogant and prideful and all that good stuff because that's what I want to do. Don't grow weary of doing good. It's good to do good things for others. Here's where we get weary. I think all of us enjoy doing good things for other people. I really do. I think that in human nature, we like to do that. But here's the problem. When you have a bunch of stuff going on in your life and you're helping all these other people and nobody seems to be helping you, that's when you get weary of doing good because you're like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff for all these people and not one person has like offered to help me do anything. That really stinks. I'm done. Forget it. They can do it themselves. And so we get weary in doing good because we feel like we're the only one doing good. And that's where arrogance and pride comes in. And then it says in Luke 6.27, one that really is hard to live by, do good to those who hate you. Oh, really? Why? Why do I have to be good and do good things for people that hate me? Well, I want people to do good things for me, right? Even those who do hate me. So, in Luke, it says to do good to those who hate you also. And so, when we are trying to do good things for other people, let us not forget that it's not just about doing good for the people that we love, because that's kind of easy, right? But think about doing good for the people that you don't care a whole lot about. That's harder. But that's where sacrifice comes in. You see, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be a world changer. He wants you to have love, joy, peace, kindness, and goodness in your life. He wants you to laugh. The challenge for all of us is to pursue these things. See, far too often we hear about depression, sadness, loneliness, suicide. But if we make sure the good shepherd is inside of us, he will bring us that love, joy, peace, kindness, and goodness into our lives, but also in turn, we can turn around and give those things or show those things to those that we're trying to help, those whose world we're trying to change around us. So as we start to wind down, um, I, I just want to reiterate, for us to be world changers, we first have to overcome our own giants and we also have to help others overcome their giants. But then also, secondly, we need to fill our lives with the fruit of the Spirit. And when we have those things in our life, it brings us a hope that we can truly be world changers. And finally, we have to recognize that we are 
good enough. Never underestimate yourself or those around you. You know, you may think, well, I have no talents, I have no abilities, I can't do anything, right? You may think that you're less than those around you. I'm here to tell you that you all, every single one of you in this room, is awesome and amazing because you are a child of God. And God doesn't make junk. Maybe you're not the most popular person at work. Maybe you're not the best public speaker. Maybe you're not a good athlete. Maybe you are a student and you struggle with your grades. Maybe your family is poor. But no matter what the circumstances you live in, you are awesome and you can be a world changer. Second Thessalonians 11 and 12 says this, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for every, I'm sorry, resolve for good and for every work of faith by, by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our Lord, of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the prayer is that God will make you worthy of his calling. You see, God calls us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. But that doesn't mean because he thinks you can't do it. It's because he knows that you can do it. Maybe not on your own strength, but he doesn't see, he doesn't want you to do it on your own strength. He wants to be right smack dab in the middle of it, giving you the strength to do that very thing. So if you want to be a world changer, then that's awesome. But don't do it on your own. Pray that God will give you the, that you'll feel worthy of doing that, but then also that he will fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. See, he wants to fill you with his strength so you can do the things that he's called you to do. So that's how we can be world changers. If you're feeling less than worthy of being used by God, if you feel like you aren't good enough, that is a lie from the enemy. God used all kinds of people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and even today. He still does, right? When you read about the heroes of the faith in the Bible, they weren't all perfect people, were they? They had a lot of flaws. David, who we talked about earlier, he slept with another man's wife and then had him, like, send him to the front line so he'd be dead, right? I mean, that's murder and adultery in the same sentence. Not a perfect guy. But God used David in a lot of other ways for good. Moses was disobedient. He did things that he wasn't supposed to do. He wasn't a good public speaker. He didn't want to lead the people out of Israel, I mean, out of Egypt. He's like, no, not me. Uh-uh, you've got the wrong dude. He didn't even get to see. He wandered for 40 years in the desert. Did he get the prize? I mean, ultimately, but he didn't get to see the land that they were promised, right? All of us can be used by God. And I want to end with this. If we follow God's word 
and God's plans for our lives, we can be world changers. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put, to, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a perfect example of as a Christian, as a world, as a as a believer in Christ, this is how we should live our life. You want to be a world changer, get rid of your giants, get the fruit of the spirit in your life and live your life like this. God wants to use us to change the world. Earlier we talked about all the turmoil going on in this world and there is a lot of turmoil going on in this world. And I don't expect Cappy to walk out of here and all of a sudden they see in the news that Cappy Stanton just changed the world today. And now there's world peace everywhere. Now, that would be really cool if that happened, right? The power of ukulele is amazing. That is true. That's a good point. Bring in a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy by playing the ukulele on the street corner. I don't know, but whatever it is that God wants you to do, wherever he wants you to change the world that you dwell in, then change it. Do something that God can use. You all have abilities, talents, all these things, gifts, whatever you want to call them, that God can use you to change the world around you. So as world changers, if that's what we really want to do, then we should be doing that. Right? If every person who called themselves a believer in Christ would actually do the things that God has called us to do, and we would change the little world that we have around us, the people that we can affect, if we all did that, how much different would the world be? I don't know, but that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of hope to think that if we all said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever I can do this week to change the life of somebody around me, whatever I can do to affect the world around me this week, I am going to do that. And I will wait and see what kind of fruit comes from that. If we all did that, just the however many people are in here right now, 90, 100, I don't know. If we all did that this week, we could come back next week and, and there might be some really cool testimonies about how God used you to change the world that you live in, that you inhabit, your little circle of influence. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? So here's what I want to do as we close. If you are able and willing um, to stand, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. And I want to, uh, I want to close today by um, reading something over you and then closing in prayer. 
You can close your eyes. You can keep them open. I don't care. This is, this is just something that I, I want to charge you with. World changers, you have been called to make a difference. Never grow weary in doing good because God will give you the strength you need. Just like David, you are giant killers. Whenever your Goliath raises his ugly face in your life, trust in God and slay that lie once again. Remember to live your life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You are more than a conqueror because God said so. Through Christ, conquer your fears, insecurities, and failures once and for all. And help others do the same as God gives you the strength to do so. Live your life with a compassionate heart. Look out for the needs of others and help them when God puts them in your path. Yes, you have a name, but ultimately you are a child of God and you are good enough. You are worthy of the calling that God has placed in your life. Never feel like you can't do it. With God's help, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Remember to laugh. World changers need to enjoy the blessings of God. Make sure that love, joy, peace, kindness, and goodness are ever present in your life. Don't let depression, loneliness, self-doubt, and suicidal thoughts cloud your mind or the minds of your friends and family. They are a lie from the enemy who wants to destroy you. You are an awesome child of God. Never forget that. You are world changers. And I ask God to bless you as you leave here today and change the world one life at a time. You can do it because you are amazing. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your encouragement today in our lives. God, I thank you that you put people in each one of our lives that maybe nobody else in this room knows at all. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a, a random friend that we met on the bus. I don't know. But there are people in our lives that we can affect positive change in their lives. I pray that this week, each and every one of us, God, would, would will it in our hearts to be a world changer, that we would do something that's out of our comfort zone to change our sphere of influence. Maybe it's just offering somebody a, a simple cup of coffee. Maybe it's sitting down and having lunch with somebody who is all alone. Maybe it's reaching out to a widow and seeing if she needs help with her yard. Maybe it's having the opportunity to share our faith with a friend or a family member who doesn't know you and that God, you would miraculously change their life and they would come to know their creator, their Lord and their savior and that they would claim you as their king. God, if we could do each, if each and every one of us could do that, lead somebody that we know into an eternal life with you. Man, that would be so awesome and exciting. And it would change their life 
and it would change the world around us. God, have your way in each and every one of our lives. Have your way in this world. I pray, God, that you would, um, through the, the prayers and the work of those who are believers, that you would begin to tear down the bondage, the darkness, the spiritual uh, heaviness that's on our nation specifically. And that, God, you would change the course of our history. God, we know that in the end, we all win. You win. But there's so many people out there right now that are so far from you and need you so badly. I pray that right now, God, we as believers would do our part to change this world one life at a time. I pray that you would bless these folks as they leave this place today. I pray, God, that you um, would use them in a mighty, mighty way this week. We love you, we trust you, and we give our lives completely, 100% over to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.